It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. Day 25, Compliance Function in an Organization. The role of the compliance professional in the compliance function in a corporation has steadily grown in stature and prestige over the years. When it came to the corporate compliance function, the 2012 FCPA guidance under Hallmark, three of the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program, simply noted the government would consider whether the company has devoted adequate staffing and resources to the compliance program given the size, structure, and risk profile of the business. This hallmark was significantly expanded in both the 2019 guidance and the FCPA corporate enforcement policy. And in doing so, the DOJ has increased the prestige, authority, and role of both the compliance function. The 2019 guidance has four general areas of inquiry around the corporate compliance function. One, what is the seniority and stature of the compliance function within the organization? Two, what are the experience and stature of the compliance personnel within the organization? Three, what is the funding and resources made available to the compliance function? And four, how much autonomy does the compliance function have to report to the board of directors? In the FCPA corporate enforcement policy, the DOJ listed as factors relating to a corporate compliance function that would consider a indicia of an effective compliance program as follows. One, <clears throat> the resources the company has dedicated to compliance. Two, the quality and experience of the personnel involved in compliance such that they can understand and identify the transactions and a- activities that pose a potential risk. Three, the authority and independence of the compliance function and the availability of the compliance expertise to the board. Four, the compensation and promotion of personnel involved in compliance in the view of their role, responsibilities and performance, and other appropriate factors. And five, the reporting structure of any compliance personnel employed or contracted by the company. Factors one and the first half of three come from the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program. Point two, the second half of three, four, and five come from the DOJ's April 2016 FCPA pilot program, part three entitled Timely and Appropriate Remediation in FCPA Matters. Clearly, the DOJ has articulated that in an operationalized compliance program, it expects true compliance professionals who understand the way compliance interacts with and supports the business. Companies must compensate and promote promote compliance professionals within their organization. Funding and resources. Now you have to justify your corporate compliance spend. This means at a minimum, you'll have to meet some general industry standard. If a corporation tries to lowball both the pay to compliance professionals as well as the dollar and headcount made available to the compliance function, it will not be viewed positively. Also, as noted in the guidance, a company must be prepared to defend any requests for compliance resources that are turned down. Budget requests and allocations are always difficult times in any corporation. There is never enough money to go around, and most senior management thinks it is their job to slash all budget requests simply as a matter of course. Now such blanket management will be penalized. If a compliance function is so hampered by resource restrictions that it cannot carry out the basic functions needed for a compliance program to operate, it will not find favor under either the evaluation, the guidance, or the corporate enforcement policy. If the company 
compliance projects needed to address basic compliance risk are not funded because management failed to heed a CCO or compliance function budget request. This could be evidence of conscious indifference by senior management. Role of compliance and empowerment. More than simply throwing money at the compliance function as if that would ever happen, the DOJ is now inquiring into how the compliance function and its recommendations are treated. If there is business unit override of compliance decisions, there must be an auditable decision trail. This, of course, is anathema to corporate executives who do not want to put themselves at risk. But more than simply preventing a management override, a corporate compliance function has to be empowered by the board and CCO to intervene in business decisions that implicate the company's ethics and compliance issues, compliance with the business code of ethics, agents, distributors, etc. If a company considers a business decision or practice that implicates the company's ethical principles, the compliance function must have the internal authority to weigh in and ensure that ethical principles and compliance issues are factored into the business decision. Outsourcing of compliance. This area of compliance has arisen largely since the articulation of the hallmarks of the 2012 guidance. While this might make sense sense from a cost perspective, it can be highly problematic if not managed properly. Rarely do outsiders have the same access as corporate employees, particularly in a function as important as compliance. Additionally, there will never be a trust level with outsiders. There is with someone who wears the same color shirt as the employees. Here, a company must not only have a rationale in place, which will largely be cost savings, but a company must have a mechanism in place to assess on an ongoing basis any outsourced compliance functions. This will be beyond the reach of probably 99% of the companies engaged in such outsourcing. The guidance and the FCPA corporate enforcement policy both demonstrate the continued evolution in the thinking of the Department of Justice around the corporate compliance function. Their articulated inquiries can only strengthen a corporate compliance function specifically and the compliance profession more generally. The more the DOJ talks about the independence of the compliance function, coupled with the resources being made available and authority concomitant with the corporate compliance function, the more corporations will see it directly in their interest to provide the resources, authority, and most importantly, gravitas to the compliance profession within their organization. So, what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, how is compliance treated in the budget process? Is the compliance budget rolled up with the legal budget? If so, how much, what percentage of your legal budget is compliance? Do you have even have a way you can identify that? Are the budget requests by compliance routinely slashed or not approved? If so, why not? What's the logic behind it? Have you documented, documented, documented all of these steps? This is not something typically done in the budgetary process, but is now required. Two, has your compliance function had any decisions overridden by senior management or even indeed uh, geographic management outside the United States? If so, was it documented? And three, beware outsourcing of compliance as any such contractor must have access to both documents and personnel. Thank you for listening to day 25 of 31 Days to a more effective compliance program. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow and I take up another strategy, tactic, or pointer that you can use in your compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.